Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Your identity is not about you. It's not about your income. It's not about the businesses you own. It's not about your 401k. It's not even about your social security number. You know, all of us can have our identity stolen, but you cannot steal me being a son of the Most High God. You cannot steal it from me. That is your identity today. If your identity is in you and the things in this world, you're in trouble. How would people around you describe you today? How would they say you identify yourself? How would you say you identify yourself? Today, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners that all Christ followers' identities should be found in Christ and Christ alone. The enemy loves to use the things of this world as primary pursuits or identity thieves of this life. Too many times we see men and women wanting to distinguish themselves by the kind of car they drive, home they live in, or job they have. You will only fulfill your ultimate calling for this life as you find your identity in Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Ordinary Home, Extraordinary Child. Now remember, Jesus came from heaven. Did he have recollections when he walked into the temple? Did he remember thousands of years ago when Abraham, for the very first time, walked on that mountain, Mount Moriah, and offered his son for a sacrifice, and God provided another one? Did he remember a two thousand? Well, for Jesus, a thousand years before, when King David came into Jerusalem and captured the city. I don't know. Did he remember as he walked into the steps and he was inside the temple, did he think about the prophecies that those leaders in that city would be the ones that falsely accuse him and he would end up being beaten just a few steps away from the temple in the Antonio Fortress? And did Jesus know as he walked into Jerusalem on the outside, we know this as a fact, that he would be crucified outside the city walls? See, he's 12. We really don't know. But I thought about it a lot as he's there. Remember, he's fully God, but he's fully man. Now, verse 43. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. 
Then they began looking for him among the relatives and the friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. What's happening here? Well, usually in those days, going to Jerusalem, Galilee, from different places, you would always go in a caravan, lots of people, for protection. Kind of dangerous on the roads from robberies and so forth. So after these seven days of celebration at the Passover, Jesus' family are heading back. And they're just assuming he's, he's, he's in part of the caravan, maybe at the back with some of his friends, just as a teenager would do, and just having fun or whatever. And then they discover sometime during the first day, he's nowhere around. Jesus simply isn't here. So Mary and Joseph turn back to find him. Look at verse 46. After three days, they find him. A day back, a day looking all through Jerusalem with thousands of people. Then on the third day, they find Jesus. Now, how many of you this morning remember when one of your children went A-W-O-L? <laughs> how do you remember? Now, if they're a teenager, what'd you say? Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. We can eat now, Mary. We can eat. Just keep going. But if they were a three-year-old, what'd you say? You panicked. It's very difficult. Well, here's Mary and Joseph. Now, are Mary and Joseph real people? So are they going to have real emotions? So what are they thinking? Day one. Day two. What are they thinking? Ah, oh, c'est la vie. Probably not. So you're going to see real things. That's what we're doing. We're looking at the life of Jesus that you and I can understand. Obviously, there would be anxiety. They would be panic. Well, look at verse 46, the end. After three days... Vieira, Sebastian, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them, circle the word, questions. Now, Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus in the temple area. Now, what was the temple area? See, God's presence was always found in the temple in the holies of holies. It's unlike today. Where is God's presence today for a Christian? It's right here. We're the temple of God. But not in those days. They had to go to the temple to experience the presence of God. And so here he is. Jesus is there. And uh, Mary and Joseph see him. And he's asking questions of the religious leaders. During those amazing holidays, lots of different rabbis would get together and they would discuss all kinds of, you know, if you know a lot of Jewish people, they like to talk, and they like to really get into it, all kinds of stuff. And that's exactly what was happening. Remember, remember the religious leaders in Jew, and, Jew, and Jerusalem were kind of in two camps, so they were always arguing back and forth and going on. I was thinking about this. We don't know. Could it be that they were discussing the prophecy of the coming Messiah and who's sitting with them? And they don't know it. They never did believe it. But we know that they knew about the prophecy. You know why? Remember the wise men came to Herod, said, we're looking for this new king. Herod had to get the religious Jewish rulers to say, well, do you know anything about this? Where would he be born? And what did they say? Yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, six miles away. But they never went to Bethlehem because they didn't believe it. So I thought, wow, that would be great if he's listening to them and saying all this stuff. And he's going to go, oi, bae, what is wrong with you? Whatever. <laughs> But what was Jesus doing? He was asking questions. Listen to this, writer. The best scientists have the attributes 
of kids. They ask questions and they have a sense of wonder. They have curiosity. Who, what, where, why, when, and how. They never stop asking questions. And I never stop asking questions because I'm like a five-year-old. I want you to write this statement. We'll read this later. Asking questions is a great way to learn. You see, if you come to the place where you don't have to ask any questions anymore, you might as well just die because you're not going to learn anything. We learn by asking questions. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Of course we do. In the future, your children will, say it with me, ask you. They're going to ask questions. What is the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that the Lord God has commanded us to obey? Then you must ask your wife to tell them. (laughs) Or call the pastor. No, it's for the parent. Then you must tell them. It's all about the exodus. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. Look at next. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give so he could give us this land he has sworn to give our ancestors. And watch this last verse. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he's done to this day. Hallelujah. You see, what God was saying is, your kids are going to ask, why should I be these crazy Ten Commandments? He said, well, Pastor Mark, I didn't come out of the Exodus. I didn't have all those miracles. If you're saved, that's a miracle. Parent, look back in your life. God ever do anything in your life for you? Of course. Tell your kids. That's your story. Explain to them how amazing they obey these laws you got to to get to heaven. Of course not. We obey because God's a good God. Could I hear an amen? And there's nothing you can do that he won't forgive you and restore you. See, our kids don't know who God is. You know who God is. He's still delivering you. He's still freeing you. He's still doing amazing things in your lives. Well, look at verse 47. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding, and watch this, and his answers. See, Jesus was not only asking questions. What was he doing? He was answering and giving his response. Somebody has said it like this. Jesus was teaching the teachers. The people were astonished. A 12-year-old with this kind of insight? Well, we already read to you back in verse 40 that he was given divine wisdom. He's beyond his age. Now look at verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, I don't know what the inflection would have been. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been, what's the word? Anxiously searching for you. Mary's question is filled with natural concern. Every parent would be just like this. Both of them have been worried and anxious for three days. Now Mary's loving correction 
and rebuke, we don't know exactly how it was given, brought a respectful but surprising response from Jesus. They didn't expect what they're going to hear. Look at this. Verse 49. Jesus says to his parents, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know? I had to be in my father's house. Who's the father he's talking about? God's house. So Jesus, there's an interesting word in there. I had to be. It simply means this. You'll see Jesus use it a lot. It means this. All of our campuses, listen. It is necessary. I must. The original language says this verse. It reads like this. I must be in my father's house. I must be about my father's business. So what do we learn? I want you to write it down. This is huge. Jesus is explaining that he knew his mission. He knew his mission. He knew why he had come. Even at 12, he's understanding. He knew that God sent him to the earth. His life was not his own. God owned his life. I must be. I have to be. I have no choice. I'm here, John 6, 38 says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, Jesus' mission encompassed a lot of things. Basically, first of all, he came to show man what God was like. You see, before this time, man couldn't really understand God. Because God was up, he didn't live inside, it was a God up there. And, and could, could God understand these kind of needs? What is God like? Is he a mad God? Is he an angry God? So when Jesus came, he'd look at the people and he'd say this. They're sheep without a shepherd. He'd have compassion. And then Jesus later would say this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as we watch the character of Jesus, we see the character of God, loving, compassionate. Other than that, you know, there's lots of other things Jesus did when he came. Luke 19.10 says he came to seek and save that which was lost. That's the whole purpose of the book of Luke. Jesus came to save people who are sinners, to forgive their sins. Now, how many people are born sinners? So you're here this morning. And you're trying to find your mission. See, if you don't have a mission, you don't have a purpose. And your life will be empty, lonely, guilty, and you'll be afraid of dying. So the only way for you to have purpose and meaning, because some of you at our campuses never accepted Christ. Some of you used to walk with God. Now you're on your journey by yourself. You need to come home today. Jesus came to the cross you see right here at our campuses. He died on that cross. And on that cross, he took your sin. You need to receive his forgiveness this morning. That gives you mission. That gives you purpose in your life. Now, notice, if you're already a Christian, sometimes we forget why we're here. I don't want you to write these. Ask yourself, are you accomplishing the missions God's given you? These are just something. If you're a Christian, this is your mission. Number one, you're to love God and love people, even difficult people. Number two, you're to be a godly parent or parents. You say, well, I can't do this. Yes, anything God asks you to do, he equips you to do. Yes, you can. Well, I failed in the past. He gives brand new starts. He loves new starts. 
And you have to be a role model. You just don't tell the kids. You just don't drop them off at a Sunday school. You don't drop them off at Luanda and go home and do something else. No, you stay, you learn, you be a role model. Number three, we have to be light and salt and share the gospel. People outside of here do not know how good God is. Pray, God, let somebody come up and ask me a question about my bracelet. And I will give them the answer. Why in the world are you, what is this pray first? Well, we don't pray to an object. We pray to a God who cares. And he can help you. Next, learn to be a disciple. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. We don't like the D word. It just means to become like Christ. Jesus never did life by himself. Immediately took 12 people with him and did life with him. Pretty soon, these small groups will be ready for you. Then you have to discover your gift. Every person in this room, at all our campuses, God's gifted you to something unique, and you don't only discover it, you have to use it. The most valuable thing you have this morning is your time. You already heard me say that. So use it wisely in spiritual things at last. And then keep on being filled with the Spirit. We leak. We kind of go back under ourselves. So Paul said that, keep on being filled. So how are you doing this morning? Are you on mission? That's a challenge to us. Now, I already asked you another question. When Jesus said, I have to be about my father's business, I have to be, remember what he said basically? I have to be in my father's house. Who was he talking about? God, he wasn't talking about Joseph. It wasn't Joseph's house. It wasn't Joseph's temple. He's talking about God, his father. Second thing you want to write this morning. This is huge. Jesus knew his identity. Jesus was God's son. Your identity is not about you. It's not about your income. It's not about the businesses you own. It's not about your 401k. It's not even about your social security number. You know, all of us can have our identity stolen, but you cannot steal me being a son of the most high God. You cannot steal it from me. That is your identity today. If your identity's in you and the things of this world, you're in trouble. Unbelievers, that's your identity. You identify with the world, not with God. Notice this verse. Let's put it up there again. It's simple. It's simple. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You have to believe And you have to receive his gift. And you become a child of God. Notice this. Here is your identity this morning. Because of God, I belong. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be accepted. When I join the family of God, we all have the same God. There's nobody better in here at all. We all have the same God. And by the way, we became a child of God. Son and daughter, the same way, asking God to forgive us. It's all by grace. You didn't become because, like, you're better than me. So Jesus makes this amazing statement. But look at verse 50. But they, Mary and Joseph, did not understand what he was saying to them. Although Mary and Joseph knew he was God's son, they didn't really get it. They certainly didn't understand the mission he was on. We know later, probably not Mary, but 
his brothers and sisters a number of times said he's crazy. That would have been hard for Jesus. Remember, the Bible says he came to his own, his own, the Jewish people, and they rejected him. But it was okay because his identity was not in the Jewish people. It was in his father. He belonged. He was the son of God. Now look at verse 51. Then he went down to Nazareth. When you leave Jerusalem, it's always high. So wherever you go, you go down. He went, actually they're going up after they go down. He went down to Nazareth with them and was, say it with me, obedient to them. But his mother, Mary, treasured all these things. She began to think, okay, what has he really been saying to me? What's really happening? So Jesus returned home with his parents. He continued his growth. Luke is very careful to point out. Luke's a doctor. He's very exact. He's very careful to point out that Jesus was obedient to Joseph and Mary. Now, why? Because he had learned the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Exodus twenty twelve: Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God has given you. Here's something that sounds strange, but it's a true fact. Write it this morning. Jesus learned obedience. See, I have to learn to obey because my natural insight is what? To disobey. I did it my way. You know what I'm talking about. So we have to learn. Notice what the verse says. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And those things he suffered was for every one of you that are not a Christian yet. He died on the cross with your sins and my sins. Now, when you see this, for the next 18 years, Jesus would grow from 12 to 30, just like you and me. He was not ready for ministry. He would be about his father's business, eventually his earthly father. And eventually that would change. But look at verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and men. Write this down because this is a huge principle. Write it down. Here it is. Jesus learned the principle of balanced growth. During those next 18 years, he grew in four ways. Balanced growth. Spiritual, physical, with God, and with other people. You see, the Bible commands us to grow, to be like Jesus. We have to grow. And in those four ways, it has to be balanced. It affects my spiritual, it affects my mental, it affects my physical, and of course, my relations with God and people, and that spiritual aspect. I don't want to be unbalanced. I want to grow. Now, you know, growing in growth and maturity is a tough thing, but we were made to grow, and it's going to be exciting as we do it. Today, Pastor Mark taught us how Jesus can understand our lives because he was raised in an ordinary home where he learned how to fulfill his heavenly mission. As Christ followers, we need to know and fulfill our mission also. The greatest gift you can give your children is to walk with God. If your kids love the Lord, you are the richest man alive. How are you fulfilling your mission as a parent to establish a godly home today? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Why is it so important for a Christ follower to be consistently growing daily in their faith? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give three dangers of little or no growth and four things that cause us to resist change. A growing Christ follower is always learning and changing. Sometimes the most dangerous place to be is not walking directly away from God, but staying stagnant or apathetic in your faith. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.